Well, greetings in Jesus' name to everyone here this morning. It is indeed good to be in the house of God. My prayer is that grace and mercy and peace be multiplied to each one of you through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. I have a message this morning, and the title of the message is Hearing from God. It's actually a subject I've been considering for some time, and this will actually be only part one um, concerning the, the topic that's on my heart hearing from God. Now, it's very important for us to hear from God. And yet in that, I'm also concerned that we rightly understand what it means to hear from God. Not every uh, claim of people hearing from God is actually so. In fact, that's probably one of the concerns I have is there have been, in the last while, and this has probably been true for many years, but there are claims of those who hear from God and then they do something grievously wrong and grievously in error and yet claim to have been hearing from God. My prayer would be that that's not one of us who are deceived. Jesus also warned um, of those that would claim to be speaking for God or, and what's on my mind there is his teaching on the end times when he said, uh, many will say, lo, here is Christ, or there is Christ, or he's out in the desert. He said, don't, don't go out there. Don't listen to them because it's not the truth. So there is a danger of uh, those who claim to hear from God and are actually hearing something else. But at the same time, it's also vitally important for us to actually hear from God and to be uh, under his direction. So the question here this morning, in the midst of all those voices that uh, would maybe claim to be from God, is what does it really mean to hear from God? And how is that done? In other words, what's the practical reality of hearing from God? How does one hear from God? How does God speak to us? And what does it really mean? There is a danger in our day that terms are used, words are used, but they actually mean something very different than what uh, the normal meaning is.
So the first part of my um, message, well, let's read our text, I think, maybe first before I go any further, is in Psalm 19. like to read this whole psalm, Psalm 19, in the context of hearing from God. Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Now in the first part of this psalm, it's speaking about the heavens, and the firmament. Those are declaring, as it says, the glory of God and His handiwork. So there is a voice, there's a message that's going out, and the ear that uh, is open to hear can receive these messages from God. That is a general revelation of God to mankind through nature. It speaks here about this word, the line is going out through all the earth, to the ends of the world. It even says there's no speech or language where it isn't heard. Because God gives evidence and speaks through his creation. Now, <clears throat> it also speaks here about the, uh, the sun. Uh, it talks about his going forth 
uh, is from the end of heaven and his circuits under the end of it. There is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The sun has a direct uh, impact on all of the earth, not just on a part of it, but the whole globe. So there's general revelation, and in Romans we read about how God has used nature even to teach men things, and that there was a law of God uh, even before the law was given on Mount Sinai. There was, there was a law of righteousness, and God gives that in general revelation. But there's also a more specific revelation. And we have it here in our hands as the Word of God, which is His actual declarations. They're written down for us, and we have received it. But throughout the Scripture, it's also spoken of frequently that we need to have an ear to hear. There needs to be a, a willingness on our part to actually hear from God. So in my message this morning, uh, as I mentioned, I, I'm thinking of two parts, and the one I focus on this morning, I have a subtitle here, is The Ear That Hears. And the emphasis will be on the heart condition of the one who is hearing. That cannot really be separated from the whole principles of how we hear from God. And the, maybe the, some of the guiding things that will keep us from error. Because the hearing, and when God uses the term the hearing ear, it's more than just the ear that hears sounds. It has the heart condition that is willing to receive that which the ear is hearing. And so we have uh, terms like being swift to hear. And it doesn't mean the other person is talking faster. It means that we have a willing heart that is quick to hear, uses terms like the obedient ear. And Jesus um, made it clear when he uses terms like, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. That refers to a condition of the heart. Now, God's Word is true and righteous altogether. Uh, we saw that, I believe that's in our text here. It talks about the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether, and His judgments are recorded for us here in, in His Word. Uh, those words are what will judge us at the last day. The books will be opened and men will be judged out of the books. And so God has given us His eternal Word that is true and righteous altogether. And it's there for our 
uh, instruction and admonition. And the question is, do we have ears to hear? Now I trust I'm speaking to a group that really has ears to hear. You're not uh, averse to hearing from God. You actually have a desire to hear from God, and, and that is good and necessary. We also uh, need to, of course, understand what it really means to hear from God, and probably be touching on that a bit more in the second part of it. But this morning we're focusing on the importance of having ears to hear. As we think about the dangers of being deceived, the, uh, the concern I have about a, the right view of hearing from God, uh, it's not because the people who are deceived necessarily don't want to hear from God. In other words, they do have a desire and perhaps even a zeal to hear from God, but if it's not in accordance to God's principles, and if they're hearing from the wrong voice, uh, their zeal will uh, not avail for much in, in a good way. It will actually take them in the wrong direction. Uh, but at the same time, it's not wrong to have zeal to hear from God. We, in fact, need to. It's, it's a good thing. So the ear that hears, I have here five principles. They're, of course, closely related. But they have to do with primarily our uh, heart posture and our heart condition. That is so important in order for us to rightly hear from God. And so I'll go through them here. And the first one that I have is that there must be a seeking for the voice of God. There must be a seeking. Now, the scripture makes it clear that God will pour water upon him that is thirsty. And the one that hungers and thirsts after righteousness is the one who is filled. And we are instructed many times to seek the Lord. Seek the Lord that he might be found. Incline thine ear. In fact, that was read this morning in Isaiah 55. I'd like to quickly turn there and remind us of what we heard at the opening of the, of the service here. Isaiah 55, and in verse 2 it says, Hearken diligently unto me. It means, and it says, uh, And eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me here, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. So, inclining one's ear is a prerequisite for actually hearing. 
from God. So there must be a seeking out of the voice of God. It doesn't come to the lazy or to the uninterested. It comes to those who actually seek out uh, the voice of God. I'd just like to make reference again to several things in our text here in Psalm 19. Where it talks about the fear of the Lord, the judgments of the Lord being true and righteous altogether. It talks about the law of the Lord, the statutes. And it says here that the statutes of the Lord are the rejoicing of the heart. Now I believe we need to come to the Lord with that mindset that when we hear from God it rejoices our heart. Now there is such a thing too as we come across something in the word of God uh, and, and suddenly we are caused to rejoice but we need to come with that expectation too that God's word is something to be valued. It uses some of those terms. For example, it says it must be considered valuable and compares it to gold. We understand in the natural how valuable gold is. And it says here that more to be desired are they than gold. So there's value placed upon the word of God greater than gold. It also talks about uh, in another place I don't believe it's in this passage, but it likens it unto food, and David even says that I can steam the words of thy mouth more than my necessary food. So it must be valuable, it must be seen as necessary. It is our life to hear from God. And here in our passage it talks about it being sweet. Sweet as honey. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Now it's taking a natural illustration of our appetite for that which is sweet, which is honey. We enjoy that because it is sweet. But the spiritual reality here is that this message from God, if you expect to hear from God, you need to place some value on it. You also need to see it as necessary. And you need to receive it as sweet to your soul. If these things are lacking, then check your heart. And consider whether something needs to be plowed up. As he says, uh, to plow up the fallow ground. Because God wants his word to take root in our heart. He wants it to spring forth unto an abundant harvest. And we know, of course, the illustration Jesus used about the word of God being sown. It, went, it was cast out as a sower going out to sow. And it fell on various types of soil. And only the latter soil, which was ready and good soil it calls it which brought forth 
some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100. And so it is, if we really want to hear the voice of God, we need to value it. We need to receive it. We need to seek it out and esteem it as sweet to my soul. The second point I have here is that it must be according to the principles God has given. You can claim all you want that you're hearing from God, but unless it's according to the rules that God has given and his principles, and if it accords with that, uh, then you can be assured that you're hearing from God. But if it does not accord with that or is contrary to it and to the principles God has given, it is not hearing from God. One of the dangers in seeking after knowledge is when it's done uh, outside of God. And people sometimes confuse that, but I'm thinking in terms of divination. You know, divination is a seeking for knowledge that is beyond what we currently have. And God warned sternly against that practice. He warned them that they should not seek after signs and omens and, and seek uh, divinations why? Because it was a departure from actually seeking God. It was taking another avenue. And unfortunately, there are people even today still deceived by those forms of divination and not recognizing that they are actually contrary to the will of God. But you see at the heart of it, they are seeking knowledge or information. And in that seeking which the seeking part is good, but it must be according to God's will. It must be seeking after God and not pursuing divination or some other abomination. God wants us to seek after him, to hear his voice. So it must be in according to the principles that God has given one of those principles is that in these last days, God has spoken to us by his Son. In Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. That's important for us to remember because there are those today who claim to be prophets and to speak for God because they have special revelation from God and we should therefore listen to those prophets. Well, God did speak in time past by prophets but hath in these last days spoken by his Son. We should beware of those who claim to have revelation apart from the word of God. 
another. Um, well, no, that's later on here. The next point I have, uh, number three. And this is related of, to what I just mentioned, but it must be according to the scriptures, the word of God. Now, the former point about it being according to the principles God has given, I'm talking about specific things that God said in his word about how we hear from God. This third point is that it must be in according to the scriptures, the word of God, and what that is meaning is that this word which we have received is the complete an authoritative reference point for what God speaks. And so it must be according to the scriptures. It must be according to all that God says in his word and not a special or additional revelation. Now, when I use the term special revelation, I'm talking about things that are beyond the Word of God. And it should not be confused with making an application from the Word of God. In other words, when God speaks to us through His Word, it applies to our life and we make applications in accordance with this Word even in things that are not specifically mentioned in the scripture. It's important for us to recognize that as a, uh, a necessary thing. What I'm talking about, though, is some additional revelation or something that claims to be equal to the scripture and in due time, those kind of things lead us away from what the Word of God actually says. But it must be in accordance to the Scriptures, the Word of God. I'd like for us to note a passage here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 4. I'd like to read those verses. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Here's the admonition to Timothy as a, as a teacher, an elder. He says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Now, in this warning here, it's not that there was a lack of the truth. In other words, 
The truth was available, as it would uh, indicate here that Timothy was to preach the word, he was to be instant in season, and the warning was that there would be a time when they will not endure sound doctrine. So the problem there is not a lack of the truth or even a lack of proper instruction, but the heart condition is such that they will no longer receive that truth. They will not endure, but after their own loss shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And what that means by itching ears is simply that uh, they want to hear what uh, is pleasing to the ear. They, they want to hear certain things and therefore that's what they're seeking after. They desire uh, for certain things and so that's what they'll hear and that's what they'll keep to themselves. It's a danger in a sense for all of us, even those of us who may be earnest of heart, who should be earnest of heart, and we might turn to books and those kind of things. There's, that's not all bad. There's, there's lots of good books, but there are also some that turn people's hearts from the truth because they are not according to the Word of God. And yet, they have a nice-sounding message. So we must be very discerning, especially when it comes to books. But... Be careful that our heart and the desires of our heart don't actually turn us away from the truth. They shall turn away their ears. Isn't that an interesting way of saying it? They shall turn away their ears. And it's not that they can't hear anymore. It's that the heart caused them to tune out certain things and to bend their ear toward other things that were more appealing. And in that way, they're actually turned away from the truth. It reminds me of Jesus' warning when he spoke about the end time and he said that the time would come when the goodman of the house would rise up and shut to the door. And when the door is shut, he said, and ye begin to stand without, knocking, and saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. Then he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. And they will respond by saying, Lord, thou hast taught in our streets. We've heard you. Can you think of the solemnity of that moment when they have been shut out? This, I believe, is speaking of the end time when the Lord returns and has shut to the door. The day of opportunity is closed. And God will say, I never knew you. Depart from me. And they will begin to object, saying, Lord, Thou hast taught in our streets. We, we sat there. We, we heard you. Yes. Yes. They, they heard, but they didn't hear. 
is what that's saying. They, they know that he was there, but somehow it did not affect them. They did not break their hearts. They turned away. They had itching ears, apparently, did not want to hear the truth. So the warning is, it wasn't for lack of the truth being present. It was for lack of receiving it or actually hearing it. The next point, this would be point number four, is that the one who hears must be willing to be instructed. The one who hears must be willing to be instructed. And this is so, uh, so basic, really. We recognize it in a practical way in our everyday life. If, if we're giving somebody instructions or trying to tell them a story, or whatever, just communicate with them, and they're just not with it. I mean, they're on their phone, or they're in a, you know they're distracted by something. Uh, you're usually inclined to just stop wherever you're at. You know, stop the story, stop the instruction. You know, and say hello. Are you are you with me? Are you here? You know, if a person is not willing to be instructed or is not, you know, even so much as paying attention, why go any further? Well, that principle goes very deep in that the one who hears, if you say you want to hear from God, that means you want to be instructed. You want to receive something. And it relates very closely to the thing of seeing it as is necessary as food and as valuable, more valuable than gold and sweeter than honey. But it has to be beyond just nice words that make us feel good. It must be a willingness, there must be willingness there on our part, on our heart to be changed to receive the instruction, to be taught something perhaps that we haven't uh, seen before or haven't followed through on. Um, Proverbs 25.12 uses this expression uh, speaking about a wise reprover upon an obedient ear. An obedient ear. We try to instruct our children and are delighted when they have an obedient ear. Obedient ear that just wants to hear, oh yes, I will be instructed. And then point number five is the one who hears must be willing to be reproved. Really? Yes, really. This one might ouch a little because no chasing for the present seemeth to be joyous but grievous. 
But we know that God who loves us will chasten every son whom he receiveth. And so, when we are hearing the voice of God, and really hearing from God, it will include with that chastisement and instruction, even reproof. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 30 and read a warning there. Isaiah chapter 30. Verse 1, it says, Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, and that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, that walk to go down into Egypt, and have not asked in my mouth to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh, and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame, and the trust in the shadow of Egypt your confusion. Now, stop there for a moment. In the Old Testament, God warned them over and over not to rely upon Egypt. And in the Old Testament, Egypt was often used as a picture of the world or of uh, perhaps a carnal life, but, but especially to not be entangled with the world. They were not to go to Egypt and not to trust in Egypt. God had called them out of Egypt, called them, as he calls us, out of this world and not to be a partaker of, of the world and of their ways. But here the people were turning to Egypt to receive their instruction. Now, over in verse 9, it says that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, see not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things. Prophesied deceits. Now, as I read this passage and try to understand what God is saying here in his warning to the children of Israel, I see two things, and that is that I suspect, and this may be just my interpretation. But I suspect that what they were saying is they wanted to hear smooth things. Whether they said it that way or not, I probably did. But when they were saying, prophesy not unto us right things, do you think the people actually wanted to be deceived? I, I rather doubt it. But what they were asking for was deceiving them because their heart was turned away from the truth. 
it just doesn't seem uh, likely to me that today, in our day, people sit in the pews and tell the preachers, just deceive us. That's all we want to hear. Just all we want to hear is deception. No, well, nobody says that. But they are saying, you know, speak to us smooth things. We don't like those hard things. We, I mean, you know, doesn't the Bible say you should speak nice things? And, and they will have, you know, quote their verses and however this is uh, supposed to be done because they don't want to be reproved. So they say, which say to the seers, see not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things. I am not exactly sure how it all was going there in days of Israel, but thinking realistically here how it goes today, I'm not hearing people, you know, actually asking to be deceived. Because after all, who wants to be deceived? But the key here is that when we say we want to hear from God, we have to actually hear from God. And we have to be willing to receive reproof. That's one of the principles by which God operates. And I think of someone who does not want to hear reproof. He that being oft reproved and hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. The reproofs of life. Um, I'm not sure if I'm getting that quite right, but the way of life includes reproof. The one who hears must be willing to be reproved because if you're one who just says, speak unto us smooth things and soon that's all you will hear, smooth things. And you are in effect saying to the prophets, don't prophesy right things and to the seers, see not. It touches very closely with the former point that I made about the one hearing must be willing to receive instruction. If you really don't want to be instructed, what is the point of, of receiving more? If we expect to hear from God, we need to be acting upon that which we already heard. And we must be willing to be reproved. You know, that comes down very practical in when we read the Word of God in our devotions. When we read through it, we consider a passage. We want to hear from God. We're, we're seeking to hear from God. And in that hearing, God gives us a promise. It's something that we call positive. It's good. It cheers our heart. We latch a hold of that 
And we say, Amen. That's God speaking to us, and that's good. But also in our devotion before the Lord, as the Word of God, we read it, there are times when that same Word should also be reproving us. And that may actually make our heart a bit heavy as we think and grieve over how we have not measured up to what it's saying right here. That also is hearing from God. And that should be welcomed just as much as our necessary food. Sometimes it comes through the preaching of the word. And the preacher preaches something that cheers your heart and you say, Amen. And yes, that was a wonderful message. And the next, it might be a reproof that strikes your heart and you realize I have not been living up to this. God is speaking to me and yes, there is a bit of heaviness in our heart and there's sorrow and repentance, but amen, that was also the voice of God speaking to us. And it's part of having ears to hear. Now this is, I've, I've covered my five points. I have a few more things to say here just in relation to this whole topic of hearing from God. And as I've emphasized here, the posture of the heart in receiving, of actually desiring, hearing from God, and being willing to be instructed and to, and to be reproved, There are, as I said at the beginning, many voices out there about hearing from God. And it's good and right to hear from God. But how do we hear? And from what source? It is important for us to consider the sources where we are getting our voices and what is telling us. Uh, Because sometimes in this whole topic, you will find a contrast, for example, between hearing from God and hearing from men, or just what men say. And the thought is, in in that contrast, it's often pictured as, I want to hear from God. I don't want to be told. Or, well, maybe they won't say it quite right away that plainly, but they just say, well, I want to hear... I don't want to hear from man, I want to hear from God. Well, it may be that they just don't want to be told what to do. Uh, Because on the one hand, we'd all agree, we don't want to be deceived by man, or we don't want to be just follow the thoughts of men. Uh, We want to hear from God. We want to actually be led in the right way. So, yes, we want to hear from God. Well, while sometimes there is that contrast, I think there are times when there is a false contrast portrayed here because God often uses other men to speak to us. And we could multiply many examples in Scripture where that was true. God wanted to speak to them, 
and he would send a voice. He would send a prophet or a teacher. When Paul was converted, he sent Ananias to instruct him. When Apollos didn't understand the way of God completely, God used Aquila and Priscilla to teach him the way of God more perfectly. And in our one example we used there in Isaiah, where the people said, speak unto us smooth things. Well, God had sent them prophets. He sent them seers who could see. But they wanted smooth things. So there's sometimes a false contrast between hearing from God and saying, well, I don't want to hear from men. Well, sometimes God uses men to speak to us. And we need to understand uh, that there are times, I believe, when that false uh, contrast, perhaps, is simply a cloak to hide self-will. Self-will that says, I don't want to be told what to do. Beware. It's not that we don't want to hear from God. It's important for us uh, both collectively and individually to hear from God. We do want God to speak to us. And sometimes that means God speaking through our brothers and sisters. I think of the parallel in the epistles where it talks about liberty. We've been called to liberty. It says, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. See, nothing wrong with liberty. Liberty is good. We've been called to it. However, don't use it for an occasion to the flesh. Don't use it to hide what your true motive is. And so, likewise, in this matter, hearing from God, that's good. It's right. Just don't use it as a cloak to hide self-will and say, I don't want to be told what to do. In summary, hearing from God is a good thing. I'm not against it at all. I encourage it. I am just concerned that we understand it rightly. And Lord willing, I'll be sharing a bit more on maybe some of the practical dangers or more of the discernment part of what it really means to hear from God. May the Lord bless.